Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast 337. Linz and Tony are here this week, just barely. It was it was a struggle. It was a big struggle. It's, Fuck, a, it's const- tra- constantly a struggle. It's still a struggle. Right tra- now yeah, it's a struggle. Trying to do this intro was take 37. <laughs> Wait, no, it's podcast 37, but just throwing that number out it's, there. It's, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, Tony talked about a shit ton of books this week, as always, because... Even though he has a job now, he still manages to... There was a lot of good books this week. Fit in some uh, reading. A couple of Spider-Mans, uh, some Transformers Star Trek. Yeah. Fuck, I had some Justice League. All over the place. A little bit of a crisis in DC world. For sure. And I read one whole book. Yeah. Maneater. It was very good, though. So, sit back, grab a drink, check out Drunk on Comics Podcast 337, Tuffle. Good way to, it's a good way to start a podcast. It wasn't a loud, yeah. audible yawn, though. <laughs> but I I am with you there. So tired. I'm reading just, comics is so tired. I know, it is. I think I'm just tired because I'm old. You're tired because you're irresponsible. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm responsible enough. You're, you're responsible in that you drank a lot and didn't drive home. Yes. Oh, God. I don't even know if I could have walked no. to a car properly. No. Thank God for Uber. Yes. Uber is a life I mean, it, it literally is. It is. It is. For sure. Um, yes. Besides uh, that talking point, which I don't want to get into. No. Because uh, my head is ringing. Yeah. Uh, I want to start off uh, with doing uh, comic book reviews with a quick segment of... A quick segment... A quick talk about a A new quick segment called Tony has no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) That segment's going to reoccur a couple times this episode. No, uh, last week, uh, Spider-Man Annual came out. The Amazing Spider-Man Annual came out. And uh, I didn't read it last week. I just read it before the last recording. It was a... uh, it was a lost uh, told story of when he first got the alien symbiote. Okay. So, obviously, with everything coming out with the Venom movie coming out soon, you know, we got to have all these stories that involve it. It was a really cool story because it explained, you know, how he had the aggressiveness and everything with the yeah. symbiote. He liked to go in and dance yeah. in places, I hear, as well. The, the symbiote... <laughs> Took, and I don't know, because I didn't read every single of those stories, but I do know his aggression went up and everything else. But if he was ever talking, like, amongst, besides this story of not getting a lot of sleep. And in this, the symbiote, like, it always talked about uh, our friend. And because half the, the story was the symbiote talking, mm-hmm. but because it can't verbally talk without Peter being awake, it goes on to him, but allows him to sleep. So that it can, Peter can get sleep, but then it can go out and do what Peter would want, what his friend would want, which is to, to stop the bad guys. Mm. But in doing so, stopping the bad guys, he would make uh, Peter's dreams kind of work out to what he, uh, the symbiote was doing. And they would talk about uh, riding its uh, meat 
meat flesh. Oh my or God. The meat. The meat is strong, but the mind is weak, and it would talk about it. And I'm like, holy shit, Peter's mind is weak. He's always about this or that. It talks about how... Uh, Which is crazy, because he actually is very smart. But in the vulnerabilities to even what uh, Venom was thinking, though, that's weak. But it loved Peter, and uh, it was going out, and like I said, it was doing these things with, uh, with his body, but Peter's mind didn't know these things were happening. I do know that that's part of continuity, but it was just kind of cool to see the symbiote's thoughts of it was helping. Right. At one of the points when there was the first one when he went out, uh, Lady had her purse being stolen. So it he but then he starts beating the crap out of the bad guy, and the lady's like, "He just stole my purse! Don't do that!" Because you know the symbiote it just doesn't know how far is too far. Right. But he's generally trying to do a good job. There's a house on fire. He wasn't going to go up and do it, but he made a webbing for the person to jump out. So oh, yeah, because he doesn't like fire. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really cool, but then it was sad at the end because then when he finally went to read to find out about it and then the whole scene of him trying to tear it off and everything, and he's like, we don't know why why he uh, doesn't want to be with us. Why is he betraying us? And it's like, Aww, yeah. I feel so bad for it. No, it, he's just misunderstood. guy. <laughs> so that was just really good that I wanted to just mention. Oh, it was a really, yeah. And annuals, like, yeah, they're hit or miss with me sometimes. Yeah, they always are. But actually, all of them that I have been reading have been pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to jump into Spider Geddon number four. Oh, la, 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 la. I'm just going to do that the whole time. I have that'll, a bunch make of, for, well, that'll make for a good podcast, right? Yeah, you just. <laughs> You could always leave the room, but then you aren't going to be helping in the conversation. You're not be helping in the conversation anyway. Well, I you know, at least it. you at least know what some of the stuff's going on. That's fair. Uh, Edge of Spider Gun number four was very interesting because um, it, it talked about how this spider person, more specifically, Spider Norman, right. Because it's Norman Osborn, right? Who is now the Spider-Man in this world? Who is also evil? Uh, it sets up to and what he's looking at. Other, he have multiple legs. Oh, yeah. he's got six arms, Spider-Man. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the the art from it, and it looks like there's no way if you see that you know that's not helping you. <laughs> it's just terrifying oh, looking. Yeah. Like you well, know, that... yeah, but you've seen the six arm Spider-Man before in the comics so they never look helpful yeah <laughs> i mean they probably aren't really helpful they have six arms but <laughs> what i like the most about this is that this uh well this world um actually i don't even want to give that away because it was really good i do like this scene though with his son kicking him in the nuts yeah and uh has a uh goblin type mask or he becomes the goblin so Goblin with Harry. So Goblin's the good guy. Yes, and oh my god, Spider Man's the bad a guy. Great crotch shot of the Spider Man <laughs> there. Yeah. Uh, I always enjoy when they include men's crotch shots and things. I'm yeah. like, it's about time. Equal, equal <laughs> page space. <laughs> so what's what's really interesting to this is that this Norman of this world has seen the multiverse uh, through a cosmic cube, in. It seems like they were trying to, uh, he's trying to go out into the multiverse. And the Peter Parker of this world had been killed, but he was 
scientists working on some things for it. Okay. So half of this is like a, a love letter to kind of Harry of being like the best friend and I need you to do this. I know you've we've talked about doing this, but you need to infiltrate. You need to go in. And uh, it was a really well-written story. But the biggest thing is towards the end when we have, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hobie? The, oh, the, the punk. punk. Yeah. yeah. So he's all happy because he succeeded and he's got all these portals to this multiverse. And then Hobie goes, hey, you know, you don't want to be stuck in here. Here, come with me. Pulls him, yep. pulls him through. And so now he's he's going to be definitely a thorn in the side of the Spider-Man, probably. Maybe. He could be. It could, it's probably well, going to be. He's got evil intentions. It's probably going to be one of those situations where he's like, he does have evil intentions, but if, if this story involves the inheritors and them being consumed again, he's probably going to work for the good of Spider-Man everywhere because he is one. And they are going to try and eat him. I can't imagine that he would be like, I'm going to side with these people. You yeah. Know? Like, a, vill- a villain goes good for selfish purposes and then goes back to being evil as soon as that is done. Sort of situation. So, I like in the first half of this, when it was a letter to Harry from Peter, Peter. saying, you know, you should probably do this or not do this. Don't walk straight into the front. He does everything that Peter tells him not to do. Uh, you know, you know, maybe you can, you know, dress up as a cleaner security guard or something, hide your stupid hair. Um, and I just I love whenever they <laughs> joke about his stupid the, hair. Yes. Yeah. Th- it is some of the stupidest uh, hair that there is. Tiger stripe hair. Yep. Uh that's gonna send me into actually Spider Geddon number zero, which it had a two stories in it. One was kind of just setting up the um, new Spider-Man game, Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, we did have Superior Spider-Man come to this universe and recruit him. I fucking love Superior Spider-Man. I know you do. And uh, I, I really, I know that there's a Superior Spider-Man number one debuting with all within all of this. I love that he still has the four, um, you know, not. Uh, Four extra mechanical arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really what was great about this is because uh, Otto is kind of a dick when it comes to being Spider-Man. Right. Uh, and he, the last uh, big hurrah with all this, kind of was looking down on all these other Peter Parkers. Uh, he, at one point, they did their quick tuffle or tussle where they're going to fight. And then... Tuffle. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and then they, they uh, you know, they resolved it kind of quickly, but then it looked like they were going to fight again. And even the this world's Peter was like, I knew it was going to come to this. And then, like, Superior's like, wait, no, no. No, I'm saying I'm going to help you. And then if I help you, hopefully you'll believe me enough to then come to mm. this other world thing. And he's like, wait, we're not going to fight? Like, yeah. Like, not everything has to be about fighting. And I thought that was a really cool... That's funny. What I thought was exactly going to happen didn't happen. But I like that uh, he's talking about, you know, somewhere in this infinite multiverse, you must have a counterpart who doesn't behave like a comedian on open mic night. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, this is not that world. Right. And then at another point, he's like, "Ah, somewhere there must be a world with a mute (laughs) Spider-Man. And I just I love that. Uh, it was really good, but what was even more important was the secondary story, where the people that we've already seen 
uh, from these first couple of the spider mm-hmm. uh, get-ins. May, um, Punk, Spider-Man. Hobie. Uh, yeah. The um, Patari, I think is the Indian one. He wasn't in one of these ones, but knowing that he's already been into the right. uh, past uh, other Edge of Spider-Verse stuff. Uh, we we find out that they have been watched in... Uh, inheritors are still trapped, stuck in the uh, nuclear wasteland world. Mm-hmm. And they send these robots. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the thing, too. I totally forgot about right. that. I... So they're at the head command place. Remember the giant web and the giant yeah, spider thing? That was, that was kind of yep. a cool scene and brought me back. But you have these Spider-Men who are kind of always there and making sure that they don't ex- haven't escaped yet. And with having them not escaped yet, they will teleport something there, but they teleport it in the air. Mm-hmm. And then it lands, and then it's got to go up these stairs where Hobie at one point goes, why don't we just kill them? We should just kill them. And they're like, that's not what we do. So I like punk rock uh, yeah. Spider-Man. It's because, like, let's just take care of this. Yes, because that's probably what they should do. That is definitely what they should do. They're not humans. But it, it made <laughs> it made absolute sense, though, why? Because he's like, oh, we have to go through this all the time. There's the stairs again. Because they want to teleport this thing, because if they open up a rift, these guys could potentially get out. So they do it in the air right. where no one can get to it, have it land, and then this little spider bot goes, and like every time, it just gets destroyed by them. Because I think there's four or five, I can't remember how many of the inheritors were left alive afterwards. And it's in there that all I'm going to say is they look weak. It seems like time has passed um, with them watching and observing I'm not going to give away anything else, but Good. holy shit. Can we talk about why is this a zero I- issue and not a number one? Because it didn't have so much to do with the actual event. Okay. Uh, like I said, it pretty much had the second story, which was only a couple pages. Right. That really kind of got into what this is going to be about, but didn't really get into what it's going to be about. Gotcha. And then, like I said, the other half was just another recruiting Spider-Man in a different world type thing. Did you read the number three issue with the, with old old Ben? Yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, that was a cute and sad one, and yeah, and also, it I was, was confused. it was super sad, and that and I didn't want to talk about it last week because I talked about Logan or I talked about Wolverine, mm-hmm. which was super confusing because it jumped all over the place, and Spider Man to me kind of did the same thing because it seemed like the Spider Geddon had already happened. It, yeah, it even said that. Check right. out Spider Geddon number three, meeting. At least that guy we know is alive. Right. Well, yeah, and his... Peter is not. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, Peter is. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's where, yeah, I kept thinking that he wasn't. It, but I don't know, and that's where I was confused, because it right. seemed like he did talk to him after that fact, but it also seemed like he didn't. Yeah, and... it was a little... he The fact that he had the phone, the, the cracked phone, that was Peter's... Mm-hmm. Um, that he was keeping his, like... It, it's either Peter's dead or they're just never speaking to each other ever again because Ben beat the shit out of fucking Craven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I guess that's not what Spider-Men do, but, like, I mean, you know, he killed him, and then he didn't kill him. It was just, <laughs> it was a really confusing story. Very much um, so. It wasn't my favorite of the Edge ones, for sure. Yeah, but, but I, I, well, I, I think do, it's I do be like a, a cool, mean Uncle, Uncle I know, ben. I know. He's, he was very, um, with with his mask and stuff, he was very, like, uh, a brawler type. Yeah. Yeah. 
So those are all my Spider-Man stories right now. Okay. I have a couple other things that I want to touch on. Uh, I all right, two two Justice League things, and then I'm gonna say my I read a lot this week. You sure did. Um, yes, and these are only a few pickings of the books that I read. So, uh, Justice League Odyssey. I read that primarily because Darkseid is on the team, and I want to know how the hell does that work. Plus, why this dark side looks like a, you know, 21 to 31 year old, not the older dark side right. that has been around. And it didn't explain that at all. That pissed me off a little bit. <laughs> I wanted to get there. But it, it, it uh, what it did do, though, is uh, it set up kind of, uh, did you read the No Justice? No, you don't really read Justice sure League. didn't. When they had the four issues of the different teams yes. and they went in. I was and, here when you explained it. Yes. And from <laughs> all that, one of the things, uh, the Brainiac's planet was holding all these other worlds, like, shrunk down. And then when the world blew up, like, this whole new sector in the universe expanded with all these planets. And the mystery is why were those planets, like, why did Brainiac in them shrink down those planets and hide them and keep them hidden. And now that uh, they have a Green Lantern there from Earth. Oh, who would have guessed that we have an Earth Green Lantern out there checking on this sector. But they call it the ghost uh, ghost sector of of the universe. And I think, oh, that's a pretty lame name. Yeah, the ghost sector. Yeah. But really, no one can get in or out. Um, but this team like somehow... Like the Phantom Zone? Yes. Pretty much is kind of what I was feeling yeah. like it was, even yeah. though it's not a totally different zone. It's the it's ghost a, sector. It's yeah. not the phantom zone. It's the ghost sector. Yeah. <laughs> I don't th- very different. Very <laughs> different things. Very different things. <laughs> the the not living place. <laughs> the good place. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, there was a lot of again confusion, but in a. The good way. I think that's how I'm going to start just uh, being yes or no on some of my books. Okay. If it was confusion, was it confusion in a non-good way or in a good way? Right. And this definitely had, towards like the last page even, when Darkseid's talking to them about the some of the main people, Starfire, Cyborg, and uh, Azrael being gods, like, uh, hmm. that is a mystery that I am curious about because yeah. these worlds two are worshipping. Two of those I get. <laughs> I get two of those. One of them I don't. No, yeah. yeah. I don't either. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's interesting. But uh, Heroes in Crisis, you need to pick up this. It was originally only going to be seven issues. Now it's going to be nine. Okay. Uh, this, it, is a D- this is Justice League? Yeah, it's a okay. DC type okay. event sure. book. And it, I do like I do like all the DC stuff that has the word crisis in the title. I know, and that's the thing. Where it's like, <laughs> so they've always been good, so I guess I should pick it up. This uh, it it makes me uh, I try to take some parallels from because I always you know any big event has Marvel did it before. If Marvel's doing one, the DC do it before. Um, I felt this was kind of fresh, and yeah, it didn't feel like it was the other crises. 
it revolves around this place called Sanctuary, which I don't know how in lore that has been within DC, but it's a place for heroes and uh, to recover. Hmm. To, you know, when... Because you got to think, when you're fighting criminals, you almost die, you get shot. Yeah. You have some mental instability. Right. You might need to talk to some people. And that makes sense. What we learn within it is there's Kryptonian technology, artificial AI that like are there, and it's it's like a farmhouse. Um, but there's death, and there are some heroes that are dead. Most of them seem like B list. I didn't ever hear of Blue Jay. I think was his name. Um, one of the flashes uh, was identified. There's as always dead. extra flashes to kill us. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I wasn't surprised. I was like, well, that is a name. Uh, and you have, I mean, it was still, it was good DC uh, house artwork, but you have part of the story, too, with Harley coming in and to this diner to talk to Goldie, Booster Gold. Yeah. And what was funny was when she's coming in, the waitress goes, is there going to be a fight? He goes, yep. But then she just sits down and eating some pie until she's done with it. And then she stabs him. And that's a whole different tussle. The whole mystery of this book is who who was at Sanctuary, who murdered uh, the people there. And Harley's saying, don't you remember? It wasn't me. It was you to Booster. To Booster? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Booster's a dick, but I don't, you know. Yeah. So here's, that's the, the big mystery of like, hmm. He's kind of blaming her. She's like, "No, this was you did it." And now I'm like, "I'm I'm hooked." Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of subtle drama, like this in of itself. I would love to just buy that. Oh, that it's is just a good so page. freaky. And then after she cuts them, she takes the blood and like rubs it under her eyes. Ah. Uh, oh, Harley. Which is funny because I haven't seen Harley like this manic in a while. Yeah. Um, because she she, must have she, she back sounded like the Joker. she was she went to there to. To get well, she goes. This is the one when she was ordering pie. They're like, "Do you want pudding?" She goes, "That's the one thing I hate, pudding." She, uh, yeah, she's a bad guy, a villainish again. Uh, but reading her book, um, even within the Batman series, she still seems to be that anti-hero. So that's the one for me, kind of mystery. But I'm also thinking maybe her mind did get fucked up if she was at the sanctuary or whoever's controlling her behind all this. Right. Uh, yeah, just it, it was pretty well written um of course you have you know the the main trio that eventually make it there and and all their wonder trying to figure it out i wonder if these b-list characters these these b hero oh wow that's a page if these b heroes like hot spot when when um when the big three pop in somewhere like when they feign to show up to something if they're like, God damn it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would you guys fucking leave? Like, we seriously just did all the work, and now you're going to show up and take all the fucking glory. Maybe we would be as famous as you guys if you would just stop fucking showing up at the end of things. What's, I mean, <laughs> throughout this, too, there's, like, interviews with some of the people. And, uh, ha well, I had to actually do, like, three looks at this page, um that it annoyed the shit on me because then on the next page I did find out that it was someone. It looked like crows were eating what looked like a small little, like, suit of someone's. I was like, is that a suit? No, maybe it's a flower. No, that's that looks like a mask. I'm not sure. 
And then I, I flipped the page, and then on the next page is that superhero, Blue Jay, being interviewed, and his powers, he can shrink. and Right. So obviously he was getting eaten by it, and then you're finding out, oh, there's a lot more people murdered than you just think of one person. A hot spot was funny because he was trying to talk about having a catchphrase, I'm just warming up. So that was kind of his inter- interview to what if these are the sanctuary files or something, I'm not sure, but, you know, like I've been using it a lot, and, you know, I hope... uh you know, I hope people will remember that. And literally on the next page, Superman who found him, the hot spot, uh, is confirmed. Uh, he had a uh, what? And then Wonder Woman was like, what, Clark? And there's a thing he would say. So it's almost like, well, damn, that, that was actually for out of dialogue and everything. Mm-hmm. You, you have the guy saying he wanted people to remember his saying. And that Superman at least knew he had a saying. Right. Couldn't, wasn't on the tip of his tongue enough to know how... Well, I don't know. It was the writing in here was good. Tom King, you can do good oh, things besides another Tom King book. Besides Batman. What the fuck? <laughs> He's writing everything for DC he right now. Does, I guess even does Batman good except for fucking weddings. So let's just say that <laughs> he just can't do weddings. Tom yeah. King is not a wedding planner. Uh, yeah. So this another great book. I I'm intrigued on that one. Like I said, DC always does a good crisis. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I, I'm interested in that one. So you have a book that I didn't get to. I did. And then I, it was everything that I thought it would be. So <laughs> um, so I picked up a book called Man Eater. Man Eater. Um, and it's cool because, I mean, it's got, it's just, it's like, it looks like a propaganda poster, like with the, I think usually it's fists in the air, mm-hmm. but it's cat paws. So, you know, I'm in. <laughs> um, all right. So this is written by Chelsea Kane. It's an image book. She's coming off of a two canceled series from Marvel. So so this might not make it past it, the second issue. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more like she's going to she's going to let her freak flag fly in this one. Uh, it, so it's definitely a, a female focused book. Like, the, the core audience of this book, much like Bitch Planet, which she actually references in this book. She, the main character has a poster of Bitch Planet in her room. Oh, that's funny. So it's so it's it's definitely, like, that's the core audience. But I would definitely suggest anybody read this book, whether or not you have a vagina. Okay. <laughs> um, but it does start with her. She's, like, she's, like, playing with action figures in her room, and she's got, like, this whole superhero story going on. But it's actually tampons that she's playing with. She's made a tampon woman, and the um, the villain is Mr. Misogyny. And it's this girl sitting in her room wearing her pussy hat, right, from mm-hmm. the Women's March, playing with these tampons as toys. And it's just... It's a little weird, you don't. Know, I mean, it's I don't know if something... that's ever really happened in real it's life. Something... I mean, I'm not a girl, but did you ever play no, with tampons? no. But here's, so here's the thing with this book. And, and it, it takes place, the, the core story of this book is uh, the parasite that cats get, toxoplasmosis, that most people have had in their lifetimes if you've had any interaction with cats. Um, and normally doesn't do anything to you because your, your immune system will kill it off. The only people who really have to... That when they say pregnant women can't change litter boxes... 
This is why. Wait, you're saying this is a real Toxoplasmosis thing? Toxoplasmosis is a real thing. Oh, shit. Uh, this is a mutate. Like, this okay. book is focused on a mutated version of this. And what happens is the, the people who are affected the most by this mutated parasite are adolescent girls. And what happens is when they reach the age in which they, I'm going to use air quotes here, become women, <laughs> so they get their periods... It's a very period-focused book, so I'm just going to come it's out and say it. a period piece? It. It's a period piece. Um, they become, essentially, man-eating werecats. So they get their period, and then they become werecats. Like, giant, not little house cats, like, giant <coughs> fucking cats that eat people. Oh, oh. So, so like... <laughs> They look like cats, or they look like tigers? They, let me see if I can find a picture for you. They're, they look like, I would say it's more like giant fucking panthers, or something like that. Like, yep, like a, a picture. Like a big cat. Yeah. Um, so. Animorphs. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that scene looks like in this page. Really, really scary animorphs. Um, and, so, through through things like adding estrogen and progesterone into the water, which, if anybody doesn't know, are the main components of birth control. If you give them to younger girls it, it, it in high doses, it stops them from developing in that way. So they won't ever get their periods. Some, some, most, most, most of them. So the water supply is just like jacked up with these hormones, which is interesting because boys are also drinking this water, so that means they're drinking water that's jacked up with feminine hormones. I don't know if they're even going to get into that at all, except they have an ad at the very end of this book that is, um, it's for water, and it's called Esto Pure Drinking Water. It's certified estrogen-free water for boys. So, <laughs> so maybe they might talk about it a little bit. Um, but basically, the whole book is just about them describing what happened and what the issue is because it starts with an attack like her dad the main character's dad is a police officer and it's super cute the way she talks about him actually because he is a cop and when she when she goes he's not what you picture when you think of a cop and then she shows there's like a picture of tom Selleck from magnum pi yeah. and i think that's don johnson Okay. I don't remember what show it was that he was in, but I know he was a cop in a show. That, um, and then it shows a picture of, she has a picture of her dad when, right after the divorce, and he looks sad and drunk. Um, so she talks about how memory and stuff like that. Um, the, the art in this is really good, because it does hop back and forth between styles, and it does a lot of, the way they do flashbacks is really interesting. And she's even got like a dad chart in here, like her father blueprint. The things it's oh, like yeah. Well, I liked all the extras in this book. Yeah. Like, you know, have you been attacked by or, you know, the news article or men being attacked targeted by cats. Oh, yeah, or, that's that's propaganda. Or that's any male of male like, propaganda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really is. That's what it is cuz it's paid it says supplement paid for by men yeah. and boys. Or like, you know, check like a, you know, it's a survey of, you know, cat attack stuff mm -hmm. and those, those and like a little anatomy things like those are the type of things that i i love when they are included in books because yep. it gives you more to just 
home over and get you in the mindset of this being a real world, even though it's in your mind. Right. It is. And all the, the supplements all really kind of get you into the feeling of the world because I mean, it is a world where there's some weird shit going on. The girls are turning into fucking werecats basically. Um, and there's, they live in Portland and there's a whole unit of police. They're like offshoot of the police government agency that handles these cat attacks um, and through the, the drugging of the water and stuff like that, they've reduced the amount of cat attacks over the years. But this book starts with a cat attack having occurred. And they put out, like, a, a an announcement saying, you know, if, if your daughter, if you know your daughter could have done this, you need to turn her in. And basically it shows a bunch of parents, like, turning their kids in to the police. Like, not sorry, kids. Girl kids, obviously. Not something boys have to worry about. And, like, just the, just the, there's this whole lineup of girls standing with, like, cuffs on and stuff like that. It's, it's very, it's sad. But it's also, like, well, if they're turning into werecats and eating people, I mean, what else are you supposed to do? Um, so, the book ends, you find out that your, your super cool main character has gotten her period for the first time. And and what I say is a very brave little picture there cuz you don't it's not something you see in comics a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I could so. imagine it was it's going to make most guys uncomfortable to see. Uh, uh <laughs> I, I'll be honest, yeah. Yeah. It's it's you know, every girl that sees the the art in this in that one scene is going to be like, "Oh, god damn it." fucking hate it when that happens and every guy that sees this is gonna be like ew <laughs> so do you think this is a book that can't be enjoyed by men i think it can and i think it should be enjoyed by men i think the subject i think this is a really good way for this subject to be to like normally when we do drunk on comics never would i ever think to talk to you about periods <laughs> <laughs> yes that is one of those topics that i thought would never Never come up but on the show. 50% of the population has dealt with it at some point in time in their life. So I think it's good. It's a it's an entertaining way to like even have the subject talked about just a tiny little bit. And I also think, even though it's completely fantastical and dealing with shit like werecats, like, I think a little bit of it, if, if guys read it, they'll be like, oh, all right. I mean, I guess that makes sense. The, the two things whenever I think of cats ever... And I don't know why. I mean, obviously, I'd think of Thundercats. Mm. But I think of Sleepwalkers. You ever see that Stephen King yes. movie? Where the cats come and save the day yes. at the end. And I, I, these aren't those type of cats. But that's what I am. I'm always like, where's the good guy cat? Like, cats are good. <laughs> they save the day. Not in this book. Especially if you read the very end of it. Um, cats are not good at all. And I would have to say that that thing at the end where it's talking about um are men being targeted by cats if you read that whole thing and you replace the word cats with women it still makes fucking sense <laughs> and it's crazy and then you get to the um the checklist on how to know if you've been or if your cat is behaving strangely again you replace the word cat with woman and it still makes fucking sense it's the way she wrote it is great because it's literally like you could just 
take the cats out of this entirely and it would be way more of a feminist piece like it it would be borderline like angry feminist piece but by putting the cats in there brings that level down where men could also enjoy the book without being like i'm being attacked which i mean i don't fucking care if you guys feel that way or not but <laughs> it was good i would i 100 percent like all i wanted to do was talk about this for a half an hour after i read it and josh was like i don't I don't care. <laughs> so you have to listen to me talk about it, and it's great. And I think you should definitely read what? it. What? Were you talking for the last 15 minutes? <laughs> they have to listen. Well, I guess they could fast forward. Don't fast forward. Pick up well, this book. Well, if they book. got to this point, they hear you say don't fast forward. <laughs> don't fast they forward. They either fast forwarded or Go they back. just listened to everything you said. Go back and re-listen to it. It is a really good book. It's well written, and the art is really good. And... I just, it, it is really good art. The fucking way they jump back and forth and all the little extras they add in there make it really interesting to read. So, check it out. Just give it a chance. It's good. Tony's going to read it. He'll come back next week and tell me what he thinks. Yes. So. Uh, so, as I have talked about before, Transformers is, is ending. Uh, about a month left. And so with that, they got to push out as many crossovers as they can. <laughs> so why not... <laughs> Pair Transformers with Star Trek in Star Trek versus Transformers, which I thought was the most weirdest but coolest thing it, ever. It makes the least amount and the most amount of sense all at the same time. And I have to say, I was so into it because of that. And then the first couple of pages, I was not. And then I got back into it because of it, it, it's it's good. It, so the, the art feels just like old school. Um, Star Trek comics, sure. Um, with with how they, they uh, kind of yeah, look, yeah. it's like a distinct kind of look. To yeah. It. And the I think the thing that would have made it I felt better would have been if this was Next Generation because that is the best of all Star it's Treks. True, it is. And this is you know the original uh, group with Spock and Kirk and some I don't know who the Cat Lady is, but it felt out of. Even though they are aliens that they yeah, come they just with threw in a random cat lady. Yeah, like uh, I'm like I don't know who that is, <laughs> but I mean they say her name. It's um, uh, McCree uh, M M K R E or something. And there was also another alienish looking dude because you ever notice most all the aliens within Star Trek are humans under some plastic yeah, or whatever, yeah. so they're humanoidish. Uh, this one looked to be a bit different, but regardless, knowing that things look more humanoid was kind of a particularly fun, cool thing about this because first off they go down to this planet and then they notice that there's, uh, these machines that are attacking that they know from history books. Remember Star Trek is way in the future that look like old fighter jets. And then they're like, wait, no one's controlling them. How are they doing that? And even later, like, Later, they're they're talking about how the when they see Optimus, a giant. I think this is something that they used to call a truck, hmm. and and so I'm confused as what the fuck's going on here? What? Why are these you know Autobots here fighting some Decepticons? Time travel, maybe I don't know. But uh, one of the guys goes ahead and shoots Optimus and pretty much uh, he seems down for the count and dead because they took their phasers onto full blast. I didn't see that coming. One of what we got 
it's two of the best lines I think in comic book history for this crossover. One was where Spock had, Spock goes, uh, I think you know, stop and let's look at this. I feel like there's more than meets the eye here. <laughs> and that's funny. I'm like, oh, I don't know if anything could top that. I'm gonna save this last quote for the end. I just want to explain that when the um, Decepticons eventually take off, they find Trypt- uh, Trypticon, which is the giant uh, T-Rex-type base that they have. Okay. But Klingons have found it. They look like humans, and uh, Megatron's kind of pissed. Of like, and then they're like, we're not humans. We actually hate humans. Okay, we got something in common. Let's maybe team up. So you see where the... Federation versus the Klingons are going to be the humanoid type mm-hmm. uh, parts in this. There are some other Autobots that are within this. I'm confused on what's going on, but I thoroughly enjoyed it enough, primarily because they have uh, they have uh, bones come down to check on uh, Optimus to see if they can you know fix him. Damn it, Jim! I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> that's good writing I'm like that. they they probably did this crossover just to have that stupid that's joke so of funny. I'm not this I'm a doctor uh, yes it I, I really want more of this and I'm, it makes me even more sad that with Transformers ending oh uh, while you were talking about that I did some googling because the cat character really intrigued me of that book okay alright so I'm gonna inform you She's a Cation, which is an actual race from Star Trek that's been used before. They are humanoid cat people, basically. Was her name Morass? Yes. Yeah. She is She is a character that has oh, really? been in... Yeah. Uh, not a lot, basically, but... Uh, Showed up a couple times? Yeah. Most. It looks like mostly most of the pictures I see her in have been animated, so I'm thinking maybe she was more in the comics or okay. like in an animated series, but it's definitely a race that's uh, been around in the in the in the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of uh, fucking fan art in here with boobs hanging out, <laughs> as always. Because why not, right? <laughs> that's what the internet's for, I guess. <laughs> oh, speaking of internet. Actually, this isn't even really speaking of internet. <laughs> but you can see trailers on the internet. You can. Huh. Uh, Dark Phoenix. Oh, God. Is that a, is that a good old no. God? No. No? No. You, no. You, what? You don't like something, Phoenix? No. no. Um, there are so many things I could say about this, but the, the, main, the main feeling that I got from this trailer was, didn't they do this movie already? Because it reminded me a lot of X3. Yeah. With a younger cast. I mean, obviously, they're going to do it differently. Um, but the way the way she is the Phoenix and how she became the Phoenix and well, the, her powers. Well, they're actually going to go to outer space, which is way more than what they did in the first X-Men movie. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, here, okay. Let me break this down for you. So, in X2, right, they flooded that that base, right? Weapon next yep. program base. Um and Jean sacrifices herself to save everybody. Very much like she does in the comic books. And at the very end of that movie, underneath the water, you they see that Phoenix Oh my God. 
Oh my god, I've never been so happy at the end of a movie in my entire life. That was kind of cool and it iconic. Was, oh, it gave me tingles. That's tingly. I'm tingly now just <laughs> talking about it. But then I remember what the fuck they did in the third one. And it's, <laughs> it's like, if they 100% set it up to follow the way it happened in the comic books. 100%. Instead, oh, no, Professor X is a dick, which we all knew anyway, and he thought she was too powerful, so he locked away part of her brain and it went crazy and now it's coming out. And that's exactly what's happening in this one, this, too. Yes, but that partly, though, is true in yeah. what he's done. Yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, only one aspect of the whole story. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say even this, that I, I don't... It looks like they all got some new suits in this as well. Uh, I think the actor for Beast is pretty good. Yeah. I don't think the actor for Cyclops is. I really hate uh, Sophie Turner. I yeah. don't think she's a good actress at all. She, she she looks like Jean. She looks like Jean. That's the, really the biggest thing. Is she's, she looks yeah, but she's the she fucking, can't fucking yeah. act though. Yeah. Like when she's Sansa Stark, like I cringe every time I watch her any of her scenes. I have a hard time with Baby Nightcrawler. Like I just don't like. Yeah. I just don't like it. Well, it looks like uh, Magneto might be getting some of his uh, acolytes in this. Yeah. There's a scene where it seems like he's got a bite. And there's Genosha, which is really cool. But, I mean, I'm trying to pick like, so, good things that are... I mean, here's, here's the thing about X-Men movies. Is they all, all of them, no matter how shitty the movie, have something in them that, if you're a fan of the X-Men, makes you go, yes! Like, in Apocalypse, that movie was not good. At all. But when they when Gene went Phoenix in that movie, and they did the Phoenix... Mm-hmm. Fire behind her? Oh my god. I started crying in the movie theater. It was embarrassing. <laughs> but like I said, that's why I don't I, I don't think Sophie Turner can like act well enough to yeah. make me feel like afraid. Right. Like I don't see right. her having the like she can be good and then just evil yeah. of Dark Phoenix. Right. I, I so I just don't think that, that A was good casting and B uh that it's gonna come out on the screen. But some of these actors seem really wooden, like yeah. stiff watching the the things. Another big thing is in most all the X-Men, uh, there's tons of mutants. And mm-hmm. it seems like every different movie, there are a few different uh, added people, whether they're in the background or whatever. And you're like, cool, there's a so-and-so. And, oh, there's magic. Or, oh, there's... Right. You know, because when Colossus was just a background character to begin with in one of the X-Men movies and then became a full-fledged, uh, you know, talking being. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have any new cast. This is all the same cast. Yeah, just Jessica Chastain, who is a yet-to-be-named character. I think she's uh, Lalandra. Yeah. Was it Lalandra? Lalandra? They thought of, but she's, supposedly she's a villain and she's a telepath. And See, that, well, yeah. She's very Emma Frost-looking in the trailer. That's what I was also kind of feeling like But they've like already she was. introduced Emma Frost. Wasn't she in... Yeah, she was in one of them. She was in the new class or whatever. Yep. Or first class. Yeah. So it's not her, but she has that... And the, I mean, she doesn't look like a little well, at who all. Who cares about continuity? They don't yeah, fucking care about true. continuity in these ones. <laughs> that's fucking true. And wait, when wait, but when they also went back first class, the, then there was Days of Futures Past, which changed the timeline, so... That's true. Okay, it could be, but... Yeah. I don't I don't know who that character is, but it uh, she seems kind of creepy. Right now they're calling her Smith. Smith? Yeah, in, in her IMDb. Yeah. They're calling her Smith because they don't want to announce who she is. The Collectively, the internet has gotten behind that she's Lalandra. I don't, I don't know if I 
agree with that. I think she might be a, a gender-swapped version of somebody else. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, either or. I really hope she's a gender swap version of Mr. Sinister. I'm not going to fucking lie. I think that uh, would be fucking that cool. That would actually be really cool. But I, Cause oh, they, yeah, because he would be fucking with her. Yeah. That would be really oh, yeah. cool. His biggest thing is the the gray summers. Well, there was a time was, when Sinister was. He was super was obsessed chick. with the fucking offspring of two teenage kids. <laughs> she does seem pretty pale, too. Yeah. She just have to have dark hair. Uh. Uh, anyway. Uh, one of the things when I was watching this trailer, I'm like, oh, Mystique seems way more Jennifer Lawrence-like. Yeah. And less... Uh, Mystique-y? M- uh, yeah. Prosthetic makeup. And so I decided I was going to Google how different she looks from the first one. And lo and behold, there's a whole fucking article already dedicated to <laughs> how she has changed looks in every single movie. Yeah. And it's crazy how they can't even keep that straight. Right. Way less prosthetics. Did you know that she didn't even have eyebrows in the like first two? I didn't realize that until I was reading this article. Uh, they they go into, I mean, the, I will say I like her look. Looks more natural now and less uh, plasticky. Right. But it, there was one point when she was like super bright blue and now they've kind of toned it down a bit. Not knocking on anything. It's just it's it's weird, and she is a shapeshifter, but it's yeah, it's but a she, weird change she has a natural make. look, a right. natural feel, and maybe finally give her, you know, the skull belt and. Oh my god, that would be awesome! I doubt they're gonna go that way. She's uh, not a she's not a bad guy in these movies. Yeah, she's a good guy. Well, maybe uh, who knows though? When Genosha, depending on what they do there with that storyline, yeah, which that also I feel it is kind of cramming a little too much. If they're just going to mention it, cool, it's a cool cameo. But I almost feel like that needs to be a setup for its own yeah, big part of the movie. Here's my other problem with them doing Dark Phoenix. It is a big story. It's a big fucking story. She didn't start as the Dark Phoenix. She started as Phoenix, and then she turned into Dark Phoenix. And there, was a, the, there was a whole transition there. There was her, like... Getting these powers and then slowly being driven to evil and then finally embracing the chaos, right? And then this is just like a, a switch is triggered. The wall is broken in her mm-hmm. brain and it just comes out. I don't, and I don't, I don't really like that. Well, but, they they are doing a lot of reshoots, so yeah. And then what's also hilarious is the day that this dropped. It the trailer has coming out February fourteenth. Yeah, they moved. And it. then the next day they go, uh, ignore that trailer. Yeah. Uh, we're doing it June 7th now. I've read that the reason why they moved it is because the trailer didn't do so hot in the U.S., but it fucking did amazing in China. Like, China's like, oh, yeah, give me all the Phoenix. And they moved it because uh, I think they would get more prime theater space in June in China, which I didn't even think that fucking... Like, do they do the releases at the same time now? I always thought the China release is different than the American release. Yeah. Uh, or maybe or maybe they're doing it so they can release in China first and then play it in the United States. Well, I believe that, yeah, for... Remember, uh, Avengers Infinity War got moved up for America release because I think they were going to do China first, which is dumb and weird. It's and totally dumb. You should do. I mean, there's you should no do reason. a worldwide release because that shit's going to be on the internet. Yeah. The well, yeah. Moment someone leaves that theater, exactly. So it it's so that could be because they moved Alita too. 
So Alita now comes out February 14th. I'm a little bit more happier with that now that they've changed the eye size a bit. Oh, did they? they yeah. They scale like it, it down it, a little bit? A little bit. And and it when they also saw like the skull like of the robot, you see that there's big eye openings in there. So it makes it, it's still uncanny valley for me, but it's not as terrible as it, and it looks really fucking yeah. good. Everything yeah. else does, so. Yeah, better than when Dark Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I mean, seriously, it's just, it's too, it's too much of a story to do in a film. Like, if there was an X-Men television show, they did the Phoenix Saga, the animated series, very well. Yeah. And they followed this. They followed the comics actually pretty closely in that. Um, and I'm not saying they have to follow the comics. It's kind of unrealistic. I mean, it's comic book. It's all unrealistic. But it's kind of unrealistic to think that's the storyline they would go with. So I get the whole wall thing. But like, they did that already, and it didn't work out for them. Why are they doing it again? That's my biggest beef with it. If she does not kill Cyclops this time, though, I will be happy. That is a modest improvement over the last one. When Jean killed Cyclops, because yeah. she never would have done that in a million years. It's outside of character for her. <laughs> we could keep talking about this for hours, though. So, um, well, I could at least. So we should probably just move on to something else. <laughs> uh, so we could. There's uh, Doctor Who is premiering uh, next weekend, I believe. Uh, hearing about them premiering while also having New York Comic Con happening. Uh, People were like, oh, but I want to watch Doctor Who and stuff. Well, I want to do this. So they're actually screening live the actual uh, premiere of it. And the producers, as well as uh, Jodie Whittaker, I believe. Yes. Yes. Is going to be there. So it's kind of a cool thing to yeah. watch the episode and then live panel with right. them. That is, I watched I watched the first episode of Gotham that way at Wizard World one year. Oh, really? They premiered the first episode of Gotham at the con, and then the girl who played Selena and a couple, and the guy who plays the Penguin were both there for Q&A afterwards, and it was really fucking cool. So that's, that's going to be an awesome experience. Well, I, I, I saw a clip of her being transformed into a woman, and that, and... I'm like that. That was that's good. Yeah. And it didn't. It they didn't dwell on it too much, like most transformations. Uh, and and I, that's I, I'm I'm happy. At first, I was a little bit like, not that it didn't need to be a girl. It just seemed because they're like I said when in history, it'll be interesting because girls were not always right equals right. So if they do any past, but I'm sure they're gonna they'll have to write that in as limits. To make a good, decent yeah, story. They will. They'll figure it out. Those writers are usually pretty good about mm -hmm. that shit. But she seemed to be a very good, uh, convincing, just transformed doctor. So. Well, I love the, the one clip that you showed me where they were calling her Madam. And she was like, why do you keep calling me Madam? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're a woman. I'm a woman now? <laughs> and then she goes, does it suit me? Causing confusion to everyone else having that conversation with her. But I think if I, I don't watch Doctor Who. Um, so the fact that it's a woman, they might, they might, it might've done the trick and gotten them a new audience member. Cause I might watch this one. So did you, well, I know you didn't cause we kind of talked about it before the, the podcast, but John Favreau is doing a star Wars series. And I've heard that there's three different projects that he's doing within the star Wars universe. I don't know if then this all relates to this or not, but 
it's actually going to start filming soon, which is means that they're trying to plan for next spring, I believe, release date. This is supposed to be a 10-episode... Uh, it's a TV show. Something. Yeah, yeah, it's doing a TV show. For the Disney, whatever their streaming thing is. Which, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's where I'm assuming it's going. Yeah. There hasn't been much talked about any of this, whether it's titles or anything. Uh, it's supposed to follow the the Mandalorians, so. Ah. But I don't think it's a Boba Fett thing, but it probably is. Um, maybe. Like I said, there's not. When, I'm hoping maybe a New York Comic Con. Between be... Jedi and the Force Awakens, so. Boba Fett would have been dead. Mm-hmm. Well, no. everyone thinks he I know, died. I know, <laughs> I know. I know. They haven't brought him back yet. I know there's that whole non, it's non-canon now, right? Because uh, they said none of those books are canon unless yeah. they decide it. But there was that whole book where he escaped from the, the, the Sarlacc pit, uh, which every fanboy everywhere fucking loves that story. And I think that is that story is the reason why people love Boba Fett so much. He's kind of a pussy in the fucking movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that would that'd be interesting. Um, I like John Favreau. Spider-Man Far From Home uh, seems to have a new suit for Spider-Man. Oh, yeah? yeah A.K.A. a very dark suit. A, a black suit, maybe, even, you would say? Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Which would make sense when he's off-world somewhere and an alien. Yeah. Who knows what's... Yeah. Huh. That would... I mean, I guess they gotta bring that here somehow. The Venom movie will have already occurred. Yeah. So I guess they they have to introduce it post the actual movie coming out. But... Hopefully he doesn't get a Justin Bieber haircut and go into a restaurant and... You won't let that I go, will you? It's the worst scene in any movie ever. <laughs> it's so fucking terrible. There, that movie could have been so good. And it just wasn't. Just because of that one scene? It's so much about that movie, but <laughs> that definitely was the worst part. <laughs> oh, gross. All right. Well, uh, that's kind of all that... Uh... I have just have a couple things of note. Um, I'm actually kind of excited about this. Rob Liefeld is coming back to Marvel for an X-Men crossover, so I don't exactly know what the X-Men is crossing over with. They haven't announced any more details other than Rob Liefeld is coming back to the X-Men. Um, I can't wait to not see anybody else's feet for a really long time. And I want to see who gets pouches. <laughs> I think that'll be awesome. Um, in sadder news, there was a there was a death in the comic book world this year. Or this year. There was lots of them this yeah. year. This week. Uh, Norm Brayfogle, who was an artist um, on Batman, mostly, uh, died at 58. He actually lived in Michigan. Did not know. Uh, he is the co-creator of a bunch of characters, actually. Um, the Ventriloquist, uh, Ratcatcher, Jeremiah Arkham, Mr. Zaz, who is a huge character in Gotham, uh, and Amygdala. So a bunch of villains in there that we wouldn't have without him. So sad news there. It's always sad when we lose his... I am remiss to say that I don't know a bunch of artists from back then when I wasn't reading comics, but I did review a bunch of his art that he did after this news broke, and it was fucking iconic yeah. art that he did. So, very sad. Very sad news. All right. Uh, booze in a book this week. 
is a very different. Uh, I wouldn't normally read these. Actually, no, I lie. I probably would sometimes. Like uh, you would read almost anything at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's not what I typically always pick up. But the title made me be like, I I'm interested in that. And it is Uncle Scrooge, My First Millions. So it's a Disney uh, Uncle Scrooge book, and the I'm yeah I'm curious on how he made his first millions and what that, this entails. Yeah, that is a backstory we never heard. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is, this was originally uh, this is the first U.S. Uh, English printing of this because uh, it was originally published in a uh, Italian magazine in 2007. Oh. So I also thought that interesting. was interesting, which is partly why I feel some of the word balloons, uh, I mean, it tells a story, but some of them seem a little bit bigger for what needed to be uh, said yeah. in it. But the obviously they... <laughs> that is something I never thought of. You would think that they would modify. Literally, they're just taking out the words and translating them into English. Well, you can't unless you're going to erase, but then you're filling in background right. with everything too. So yeah, that's kind of how you have to do it. So... There were these cool things while reading it that uh, I learned, and I like the way that they framed this uh, story, too, which is looking at some pictures to explain his first million, and it looks like there's, like, his butt is like, got a bandage on it, and he's going to explain how that goes. When we learn the story, it actually is kind of funny and makes a lot of sense, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. But there's other pictures, and he's going on, and that's how I made my second million. And this is a four-part series, so each one is going to kind of evolve. And it's him mowing the grass. So, like, the three nephews are like, you know, oh, you you made another million while, you know, being a gardener? And he's like, well, kind of, but we'll we'll get to that in a, in a second. And Are you going to tell me how he made his first million? Oh, I want to leave that kind of a mission. Well, oh, well, he, gold, mining gold. Oh, and that's not, uh, I mean, they've always kind of had that within the um, stories that at one point he was mining for gold. Right. Granted, uh, he loves gold. the reason why in this is kind of funny of him trying to get it in the publication of, he would have been a millionaire anyways, but he had like a deadline to beat to get into that year's millionaires list. Mm. And then he even offers like, well, there should be a billionaires club. And they're like, oh yeah, with inflation, yeah, we probably will get to one of those sometimes. So really thinking... Back in the days, no one thought anyone could physically have a billion dollars. Right. Now, well, we see that again. And oh, yeah. knowing Scrooge, he's a trillionaire, I think. He or has more than that. money to swim in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a really good book. And because he was a gold mining and, you know, anything with gold, of course, I got to pair this with Goldschlager. Of course you do. The only drink with actual gold in <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> So, but yeah, it was a very uh, interesting book, and I am going to read all four of them because yeah, you want to know how yeah, he made the yeah, rest of his th- money. Yeah. yeah, that's legit, straight up. All right, well, um, we made it an hour. We, we did. We stayed uh, awake for an that's hour. Impressive. Apologies for all my yawning. I don't know if anybody could hear it, but if those gasps for air was not me dying, it was literally me just yawning. Tony's super boring. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> With that, stay thirsty for naps. Oh, God, I love naps.